Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Howdy, my good friends. Hope you're doing well today. Thank you so much for stopping by again. You know, I mentioned the idea of doing stories from our kinfolk across the Great Pond because, truth be known, they're actually living on the other half of the Appalachian Mountains, which was split when the continents divided. Now, today, we're going to do one of them stories that, which I reckon uh, we'll call a World of Murder, Mystery, and Legend episode. Now, this guy went out looking for lonely old folk, to, you know, men and women who wanted nothing more than somebody to care for in their lives, you know, but it uh, didn't end so well for anybody involved. So come on in, have a sit down, and let me tell you one from the, our cousins over in Great Britain. Now, I would kick this off with once upon a time, but once I get into it, you're going to see real quick that it ain't no fairy tale. So I reckon we'll start with Benjamin Field. Now, I'm not going to waste any of your time on his upbringing or childhood because I'd say his family's been through enough with him already. That he was an English undergraduate at the University of Buckingham and a self-proclaimed man of God who'd met Peter Farquhar. Now, Peter Farquhar was a 61-year-old who himself was a Cambridge graduate. Now, he was a novelist and a lecturer who lived in a village uh, about 20 miles from Oxford that's dominated by the 15th century church and rows of thatched timber-framed cottages. Nice little hamlet there. But shortly after the first meeting, they began a relationship. The pair then became unified in a formal ceremony after which Mr. Farquhar wrote in his journal, It is one of the happiest moments of my life. Gone are the fears of dying alone. Man, that statement crawls your nape and brings a tear to your eye, don't it, folks? But Mr. Field, being the dirty SOB that he was, even bought Mr. Farquhar a dog that he named Kipling, after Rudyard Kipling, who we all know was a 19th century poet and author who wrote The Jungle Book. Now, it wasn't long before Mr. Farquhar started having symptoms of dementia because it didn't take deviants like that man, long, uh, uh, Mr. Fields, long to get straight to business. Now, his friends started to notice that he appeared to be spiraling downward pretty bloody quick. Now, do you know to take an English term there? I'm not very good with the accent, but uh, 
I figure we can use that word anyway. But uh, he was spiraling downward pretty bloody, bloody quickly, all while his partner Ben would tell him that he was growing senile. Now, one time Mr. Farquhar showed up to a book signing of his and didn't even know where he was. He just stood there looking like a truck had hit him. Again, his trusted and loving partner Ben would tell everybody all about him stumbling around the house in a complete stupor, falling down and creating all the bruises that he was covered in. Now, what was actually happening? Well, the low-life Mr. Field was slipping in Mickey's, laced with every dadgum psychotropic drug he could pull out of his pockets. Now, he would load Mr. Farquhar up on the drugs and follow him around that house acting like he was trying to help him all the while. He was shoving him down, tripping him, and throwing him down steps and, and you know, as he staggered around the place. Then the heartless idiot started hiding the poor man's things like his keys and claiming that he'd found them in places like the commode or maybe the oven or maybe even the mailbox outside. About twice a month, he would surprise the poor man with birthday cakes made out of putrid cornbread when it wasn't even his birthday. Then talk about how good the cake was as Mr. Farquhar tried to choke that nasty stuff down. Now, Mr. Field would go out in the middle of the night, start the car, grab up the poor comatose man right out of his bed, strip him naked, carry him out there, leave him hanging halfway out of his car with the motor running, and wake up to wake up that way the next morning. And then um, Mr. Field would swear all to be damned that he didn't know what the poor man was out there for and didn't even know he'd left. Now, he'd do right in the man's face telling him that. And finally, Mr. Farquhar got to be afraid that he was sure enough becoming severely ill and he may well die from it. So he changed his will and left everything to his loving partner, Ben. Note here, folks, if something like this happens to you, don't sign squat. Sometimes that's, as we and as we've seen many times now in our stories, it's probably about the same signing your own death certificate. But Mr. Farquhar was put into an assisted living facility where, all of a sudden, and now being away from the gaslighting SOB, Benjamin Field, he started to improve. In fact, he got so much better that he was sent back home, only for Mr. Field to pick back up right where he left off, except he stepped it up a notch or 12. Now, finally, in November of 2015, Mr. Farquhar was found dead laying on his couch from what was deemed to be alcohol abuse. Apparently, all the Mickey fans finally caught up to him. Of course, Mr. Field then collected nearly all the poor Mr. Farquhar's estate and danced out the front door for so much care in the world. Easy come, easy go, I reckon, for him. Folks, you ain't heard nothing yet. This guy's got enough gall to drag the ground behind him, and he ain't near done yet. And I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. Ann Moore Martin was Mr. Farquhar's neighbor and friend who lived just three doors down the road and was also deeply religious, lonely, and 83-year-old who had retired <clears throat> as a head schoolmistress. Now, Ben, I guess he felt like he hadn't done an if, if enough, had <clears throat> already met and been with Ann while Mr. he was still with Mr. Farquhar, and he started up a relationship with her. I guess the deviants have to keep circulation going or risk running out of funds or something to do. 
but by all accounts, Anne was like a teenager again. <clears throat> the relationship was a full-blown sexual relationship, even with the 57-year age difference. <clears throat> One of her neighbors said it was unbelievable to see. She was acting like a teenager again. <clears throat> Once again, the warped piece of dog squeeze lit in with the drugs, all while <clears throat> writing love poems and letters to the poor woman like nothing was going on at all. Then came the messages out of the wild blue yonder, which were written on mirrors and her own dang lipstick. The messages said that it was the will of God that she should be with the lunatic that was actually the one writing them, and saying that she should change her will to leave everything to the good-for-nothing swamp stump of a human being. Now, this, while on psychotropic drugs, was seen by Anne as an actual sign from the Almighty himself. I think God has probably got his hands full dealing with the world right now and just might not have enough time to pick up lipstick and spell it, let alone write anything else, but he's done uh, more awesome things than that in the past, so who really knows? But I've never been on drugs myself, but I know people who have, and it's downright scary what they tell me they've seen, without, especially without anybody like Benny Field screwing with them. Now, anyway... Ann told a friend that the maniac was giving her medicine to help her sleep. I bet he was. Permanent sleep, probably. But he got the poor woman so worked up that they were like newlyweds on a honeymoon. He even secretly took pictures of them having sex, particularly one of Ann performing a particular act on him. Now, probably so that if the messages from God didn't work or didn't do the trick for him, I guess then he could blackmail her instead. I reckon when you do that kind of stuff, you got to have a backup plan. Now, he concocted a tale where he came home crying one day like a baby and told her that his brother was dying and needed a kidney transplant. The deviant moped around, bawling and crying nonstop for two or three days, which finally ended in Anne giving him 27,000 pounds of a retirement account to pay for it. And the man didn't even have a brother. But finally... The poor woman went to change her will and leave her home and uh, to the gaslighting grifter. But the uh, solicitor in charge of changing the will told Anne's niece, who in turn alerted the police. Now, that's exactly what these people don't want, folks. They don't want the police involved. But Anne herself had to finally go into a hospital for some type of procedure, and the little weasel never even came to see her nor even called to check on her. Now, Ms. Moore Martin reversed the changes to her will because of all that, but she ended up dying in a care home shortly afterwards of natural causes, though it was said by many of her friends and family that the ordeal just broke her heart to the point where she <laughs> truly couldn't stand it and couldn't continue living like that. That man was a real piece of sheep dip, folks. Now, now that the police were involved, they went about leaving no stone unturned like they normally do, and that led to Mr. Farquhar's body being exhumed, where a second autopsy found that sedatives had been administered to him regularly for months on end before his death. Now, you'd think that the deviant field would go somewhere, crawl in a hole, and pull the hole in after him, maybe stay there till the whole thing blew over, but, you know, that might be the way somebody with a conscience would do, go about it, but not this idiot. He'd already picked the next poor victim and was working an angle on her. She was 99-year-old Liz Zittle, who he'd already been staying with part-time. 
police found a copy of Miss Zettel's will on the SOB's computer. This monster just didn't waste many folks. He was busy all the time doing this stuff. Of course, he was finally pounced on and arrested, or not arrested, but uh, dragged downtown with the gusto of a hound dog to answer a few questions. Now, it did turn into an arrest, and he was finally asked if he thought that he actually could get by with this crap. To which he replied, oh, I'll get by with most of it. So I guess that means that they probably haven't even come close to finding out everything he did then. That would be what he'd tell me anyway. On the 9th of August in 2019, Ben Field was convicted for the murder of Peter Farquhar, but he was acquitted of Ann Moore Martin's murder, uh, despite being responsible for speeding it along anyway. The heartless maniac was finally sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 36 years. Now, you know me, sometimes I like to say something here along the lines of a warning of some kind, but good Lord, folks, the only thing I got here is that if you're a lonely geezer, the only chance you might have to is just to let the Viagra and love go and just stay away from it all. I guess at least you'll live longer. Whether it be worth it or not, I don't know. I hope you got something out of our story today. If you, if you did, uh, well, um, I know I couldn't believe the gall on this man when I read it. But if you did, please rate and review the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're listening. Well, let me tell you about a podcast, Fire Breathing Kittens. Fire Breathing Kittens is an actual play one-shot podcast that plays various tabletop role-playing games with a season-long plot. Because there is a beginning and end to each week's story, you can start at any episode. Every week has a different combination of four from the same rotating cast group of people. Now, join Fire Breathing Kittens as they solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banner, and in Joy of friendship. Now, go on over to subscribe and give them a listen, folks. That's where I'm heading next. But then come on over to the Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend where we talk Appalachian or about anything else you want to jack it up over. I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend, and I will see you then. <laughs>